Good evening, everybody. And we are headed to another webinar. And today's webinar is focused on wealth building in a unity. And just like, I think it's last week or two weeks ago, we focused on, on, on families, building structure, building economies, building businesses together. So we're gonna continue that conversation. And today we have Dr. Wayne Richards and Keisha Richards, and they both are New Orleans natives. They are high school sweethearts, oh, <laughs> who met over 25 years ago. This upcoming September, they will celebrate 20 years of marriage. So congratulations to you both. Wayne and Richards, Wayne and Keisha, both came from humble beginnings and are committed to working together to help the community build wealth through godly principles. They both have successful careers in aerospace defense industry. In addition, Wayne is the president and CEO, and Keisha is the vice president and COO, Led, Rise, Build, Achieve, a nonprofit organization committed to youth empowerment. RBA's model is any progress towards your goal is progress. Both Wayne and Keisha completed their undergraduate and graduate degrees at the University of Maryland Global Campus and Troy University together. So they so they continued the education together. Wayne earned a doctorate of business administration from Walden University. So we would like to welcome both Wayne and Keisha. Thank you for coming on board. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Now the so so for those people that are just you know just tuning in, um, me and Wayne actually knew each other from Walden University. I served as his dissertation chair. Um, yes, sir. You got me across the stage. He's one of those students that made my job really easy, right? Um, so, so a lot of great research, just, just a, a wonderful brother altogether. Um, I've been following uh, you and Keisha, you know, for la you know last last few years, and you, you both are doing amazing things in the community. Uh, you make me and my wife look bad with all your fancy dresses and funny <laughs> things you're doing. Uh, so, congratulations on your 20-year wedding anniversary. Now. One thing that interests me, you highlighted the word, well, I highlighted, I noticed the word godly principles that, that you, that together to help the community build wealth through godly principles. Can you elaborate on what that means? Want to go first or you want me to take it? You go first. Okay, so godly principles, we believe in uh, giving back to the community. Um, we believe in accountability, responsibility, and stewardship. Um, and all that is, is that we want to take what God has given us as we're blessed to be able to give back to the community, not just be a drain on the community, but to actually give back to those youth, uh, young adults, and whoever needs it. So we, we, we do that, and that's why we formed our organization. But basically, Godly Principles is understanding the, you know, that you when you give, you, you, get, you get things back. And it may not be financial gain, but you may get that self-actualization from seeing uh, you know, giving a kid, you know, something um, and watching that person rise to become successful. You want to say anything? Yeah, just along the same lines, it's just making sure, you know, we, we believe in pretty much you sow seeds and then you'll reap a harvest at some time in the future. Um, we believe in giving to our church, like Wayne said, and also to our community. Um, also, as far as godly principles, we apply that to our marriage as well. Yes. And so, although both of us are professionals, when we come at home, um, although I may be a manager at work, he's a manager at work, we do understand um, different roles. And um, we, we believe that the man is the head of the home but he doesn't lord over his wife that we work together in a partnership to make decisions and to grow and build together yep 
you use the word partnerships to to grow together, right? So you have 20 years of, of marriage together. Um, and it sounds like the, the, the foundation comes from religion. It sounds like religion is a strong foundation yep. in, your, in your marriage. Um, so, so elaborate a little more on on the the, the faith base, you know, strength that you have that, that 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 provides this foundation in your marriage, and how that how those principles support you in the decisions you make together, in the businesses that you start together, and how you manage your family. Well, we took vows over twenty years ago, and some things that we talked about as as uh, kids, as teenagers, we grew. So one of the things that we wanted to do is one, have a foundation of trust, right? We have to understand, because if you don't trust one another, you can't work through conflict, you know, or manage through it, right? So in a partnership way, you wanna have that trust. So give me the benefit of the doubt, understand kind of, okay, that I'm coming from the right space because we are both for type A people, right? <laughs> you know, and sometimes we could, you know, we're from New Orleans and we could talk a little rough sometimes, but we don't really mean it, we're very passionate. So one clearly understanding your partner uh strengths and weaknesses and we all have strengths and weaknesses and where she's strong i'm weak and while i'm weak i mean where i'm where she's weak i'm strong right so that's where you have that balanced approach and it becomes a symbiotic relationship and we understand that yes that, that the bible says that uh, the man is the head but god never ever meant for me to be misogynistic and you know to look down at my wife as she's beneath me but you know, if you go back to the book of Genesis, he took the rib out of his side, out of his side. So the woman's always supposed to be at your side. So we we interweave that into every decision, every major business decision, um, different things for our children, uh, whether it's a career or me finishing another degree or taking on another business. We 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 have that partnership, and we hear each other's voices, and it may be a con pro and con, maybe more cons that we may have to work <laughs> through to get to pros, right? But uh, on each side, and we leverage that partnership. Yeah, and I think the other thing that helps us as well is that, so you mentioned we've been together, married for 20 years, September 9th, and then we've been together um, in a relationship for 25 years. And of course, we've had our ups and downs, but our relationship is one founded on God and also on friendship. Mm -hmm. And so I think it works because we're friends also. Um, and so, of course, you want the best for your friend, you want the best for your spouse. And so sometimes, like when you say, we may not always see eye to eye, but we always, our, our motto is that we're in this thing for the long haul. So one of us has to come back. You know, maybe it's him sometimes, maybe it's me sometimes to get whatever the, the issue is, right? Um, the other thing is, you know, we understand the fact that we have two kids. And so when they grow up and they leave the house, it's gonna be me and him. And so we're not trying to wait until they leave to try to rediscover each other. We wanna make sure that we keep that bond strong even through it all while we're parenting as well. So, you know, just different things we do, like we still date each other um, and stuff like that. I know people always kind of quote unquote, we date each other, but we, we literally do. So we go on dates and, you know, the kids may be like, well, where are you guys going? Well, we're going on a mini date. So it may be something to get ice cream or to get a meal or something like that, but just to make sure we stay in tune with each other. So you, you brought up your children. What are the ages? 17 and 13, both boys. Okay, okay. And since we're on the topic of legacy building, right? What what type of things are you doing 
to help prepare this next generation to manage their, you know, their money, to also understand the importance of financial literacy, um, you know, and, 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 and to kind of create a path, whether it's a career, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's academia. So what, what type of things are you doing to make, because you both said you come from humble means, and often when people say humble means, they're saying, I, you know, I, did, I didn't grow up, you know, wealthy, right? I, I often grew up in an economically depressed community, those type of things. So what, what are you, both of you doing to help prepare your children for this next step? So, so I'm really passionate when it comes to financial management. Uh, we both are actually, and so as far as our kids go, we started them very little. You know, you you give your kids chores around the house, and so we actually drew up a contract, and that they had to be in elementary school when we first started this. Um, and it, it basically went through the fact that you know you're you're going to be required to. Um, um, give a tithe of 10%. You're gonna be required to save half of what you get and then you can spend half with your parents' permission. Um, we talked about the fact that you're not to borrow money and, and we go into detail with that. Um, and so that was just to kind of get them started with managing money, saving money, giving money. Um, now that they're older, we kind of talk to them more about how we manage our own finances. And so we try to make sure we're a family where we're not keeping them in the dark about anything. Um, there are certain things they just don't need to know yet. Um, but the mechanics of how we manage our finances, we talked to them about um, here recently over the COVID with everyone being stuck in the house, we, we put together some exercises for them. And so the first exercise focused on, you know, you're, you're leaving the house, you got your degree, and now you're earning, say, I think we did three scenarios in there. Yeah. So the first scenario was like they were earning $50,000, so they had to go out and budget this $50,000. So we told them this is your gross salary versus your net salary. This is what you have to put up for your 401k. This is how, you know, you need to put how much your apartment's gonna cost and all these other things that go into your budget. Um, and so then the second scenario was where, well, you, now you've got a pay decrease. So now you're only making 30,000. So how are you gonna work that? Um, and then this last one, we gave them an increase. So just to see what they do with the extra money. And then we followed that up with another one. Um, since our oldest son is 17, you know, he'll be going off to college and eventually leaving home, hopefully not too soon. Um, so we, we did one where now, how much do you really need to save in order to leave the house? So you need to have certain deposits to put down on things. You need to buy things because you're not taking all of our stuff. So you're going to need, you know, furniture. You need small things, dishes, irons, and stuff like that. And so we had them go through this entire list of how much money, what's that magic number I need to have to leave the house. So they already have savings going. The oldest one, he, um, we started a Roth IRA for him already. So you'll have your savings, but what is the number that you need to um, comfortably leave the house? So we do things like that and Wayne can add on to it. Yeah, so one thing that I am actually looking at for uh, youth, a lot of individuals are going off to college and getting four year degrees. So what we're trying to do is uh, have this model where students may start in a community college to do their undergrad, I mean, their, their lower level courses, and then transfer to a college that's local if it's great. Um, and then once they graduate, we want them to stay uh, with your parents for about two to three years. So they can actually go ahead and, you know, okay, well, just like the model that we've been training them, that you're gonna give 10%, you're gonna live off 10%, but then you're gonna save the 80. Um, outside of whatever you put in your form, okay? So if individual, you know, here, you know, in Research Park, coming out of college, they may start off at like $55,000, $60,000. So if you take a kid and allow them to save 80% of their funds, 
for three years. And then once that's their graduation ceremony, right? They, they can graduate from home. That's the pomp and circumstance. So we're trying to show people like from a youth motivation standpoint, you got to go get your education. Even if you don't go to college, you have to have a trade, right? But then we still want you to have that nest egg. And we've been asking, uh, shaping parents and speaking about this to parents. So when their kids do leave the nest, they can actually be sustained and not have the pressures of life, have that, uh, you know, be debt free when they graduate from college, no stupid loans, right? So that's something that they have to do. And they don't have to go to the military like I did to get my student loans paid off, but it's been a benefit. So after every degree, I didn't have a bill, right? They were all paid. And that actually helps your youth uh, be able to do it. So if they decided that they wanted to be a teacher um, and live off that salary, right? It won't be as much as depressing as it is trying to manage off that and have a, uh, and, and a student loan and a car and, 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 right? Um, and we, and this is a principle that we found that when we graduated and we started to purchase real estate, you know, most, they were looking for our student loans where you didn't put your student loan on it. No, we kind of took our time to graduate, pay for Keisha out of pocket, um, and we were able to do that. So that's kind of where, and that's where it started Rise to Build Achieve, those things right there where we're trying to give people those nuggets that work for us. So when they do get into their 20s and their young adult years and 30s and the 40s, uh, they'll be set um, and, and be able to, to do uh, things, right? All right, no, no, I just want to make sure we didn't lose you. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the the, the, um, the exercise you did, I, I love it. It reminds me of the of the Cosby episode, you know, with, with Theodore, <laughs> right? Right, where, where, yeah. where Dr. Huxtable made him, a play, you know, you know, gave him some monopoly money and kind of went through this scenario. So I, I think those realistic scenarios are great. Um, you know, the, the, the you, you mentioned, um, you know, basically providing that leg up for your kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, where, where I think, at, at least, at least in my household and every household in my community, you know, we we are, we're taught to when the kids hit a certain age get them out of the house. They need to have this experience. They need to learn what it's like to be on their own. They need to learn to be a man. They need to learn to be a woman. But it sounds like both of you are looking at it from, that's a financial mismanagement, right? That yes. that, that that by doing this, you, you're basically um, adding this this financial strength you know, constraint, strength? Yeah, constraint, um, yep. <laughs> that, that you were basically doing this, uh, uh, you know, doing this to your kids, and it's not a healthy thing. Is, is that your perspective? Yeah, that's our perspective. And I'll tell you, uh, of course, a lot of stuff that I, I see across the community, I looked at my, my Caucasian counterparts, and I asked the question, and I'm like, okay, well, your kid is graduating from college. Do they have, and they will talk about, well, my, my kid is not getting a student loan, and, they have to move back in with me. And then when you see the younger in, uh, individuals in these communities that we live in, you ask, well, how can, how do you have a leg up? Well, I stayed with my mom and, and drove a beater for four years, right? And I went to a company and they paid for my master's. You know what I'm saying? So, so I started taking those principles down in my early twenties and, you know, my thirties. And I was like, okay, well, that's how their generation of wealth is, is, is being done. We're forward, forward, like we're a couple of generations behind you know, in, um, in the black and brown community or stuff like that. So I started taking those, those, those wealth building generational goals and, um, and, and, and adopting them to our lifestyles. So. 
Yeah, and even you mentioned, um, you brought back up the exercise we did. So the one where they had to talk about, you know, the number they needed to move out. One of the things that I think it surprised the kids a little bit too, we say, hey, so, you know, they were asking, well, do we need to put a car note on here? I said, well, we said only if you're planning to buy a different car than the one you're gonna leave the house with. So you'll have a car to leave the house, so you don't have to buy that. Um, we told them you can take everything in your room. So you have a full bedroom set, you have, have a television. You can take all of that with you to get yourself um, a leg up in addition to the other things that we're trying to teach them. So, so how difficult is that to educate other parents, people of color, that, that have that mentality. It's almost like a hazing, right? Like I experienced this, I had to go through this. I was an EOP student, right? Um, I had to get a student loan. So you need to do the same. So how do you get other people in the community to, to, to think differently? So we, we have a model um, and as we read through our script, the experiences of others is the best teacher. Right, so that's one of the things that we're trying to teach in order to build, to break that generational, that okay, I did this, so you have to go and struggle too, but that's not necessarily the case. If I see your struggles and I can learn from them, right, uh, I don't want to repeat bad behavior. You know, bad behavior over time, I mean, if you have someone that's a high, that's hypertension, hypertensive, and they die from a heart attack, if they just ate salt and, and fatty foods all their life, and their life, you know, their lifespan was shortened, why follow that model, right? Um, even though they may have been happy and food may have been the great things, but if you tailor their approach, right, you don't want to, you don't want to jump off a cliff because your parents did, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not something that we're saying, you know, without, without feeling for our parents because we want our parents to hear it as well. And that's gone back to, to re-educate our parents as well, to say, hey, mom, this is the way we were raised, but, you know, and Keisha's mom, she just came back and said, hey, I did this great thing for many years of her <laughs> speaking to her. So it's kind of like, okay, in order for you to live great, finances will take, like, I think two thirds of the stress off you if you can manage it well. So you went through stress, two thirds of your life was stress. Just imagine if you did these three or four things, you would be in a better position. And I think also from the perspective of helping other parents kind of change their mindset, all parents want the best for their kids. And so I think if you talk to them from that vein saying, hey, if you do, you know, if you tally your thoughts just a little bit and do some of these things, then your kids, they can now stand on your shoulders and they can go further than you did. So we always talk to our kids about, you know, you're starting a race further along than we started. And so then your kids should have a head start from wherever you started. And that way we're creating generational wealth too. Then another thing is we're trying to catch those youth and young adults at the at the inception stage of, of uh, parenthood too as well to, to try to capture them there at the beginning stages of marriage, humble beginnings, and trying to help them kind of shake some of these things because several people look up to us and want us to mentor them and we mentor them, but you know, we mentor them real. We're not gonna come out of you, we're gonna tell you, hey, this is what happened, this is how you can do it. It may seem like it's hard at first, but if you have a partner, when you when you look down the line in 20 years, you can look back at the decisions you made. They say uh, you 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 you're born looking like your dad, but you die looking like your decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is we we want to make sure that our decisions they are our own individual decisions, right? So as we make those decisions, we want to be able to make those things in a positive manner. And sometimes you're going to strike out, 
but it's not about striking out. It's about getting back up to that bat, right? Get back up to the plate and, and swinging for the wall. Because sometimes you might swing for the wall and you may miss. But if you do connect, it's a home run. And, you know, that's just how it is in life. You're not going to always be successful. You may go down a path. I mean, <laughs> we have a whole lot of, you know, we don't say I told you so, but we say uh, I think that might have not been the right thing, right? So, uh, but, but that's the type of thing we try to do. We try to catch up early on, and that's what the Riseville team is trying to do. It's trying to catch those kids, like, right around elementary age, you know, and we have a series of progression, but we want to capture kids as early as three and four to talk about some of these things. And then the kids that are, are, are school age and then teenagers, young adults, and even adults, they, you know, with the earlier you get them on, the easier it is for it to become institutionalized. Yeah. I agree. I, I think as far as the educational piece with the kids is great because specifically with our youngest, um, he makes me so proud sometimes when we go out to eat when he asks the people, um, are there free, refill, free refills on this drink? Right. <laughs> of, and they, they take more of a um, more care. I've seen when they're spending our money, like my oldest, you know, he's driving, he's 17, and we're having a conversation in the kitchen, and he was saying that he, um, the youngest wanted to go somewhere, and he was like, well, I'm kind of low on gas. And I didn't catch where, where he was going, I was like, well, we give you gas money, Trey. He was like, exactly, I don't want to be spending all of you guys' money just going everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I really appreciate that. Right. It sounds like your son needs to talk to my daughter then. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that I, when I went off to college, I went to college, uh, Southern University in 1997 with a garbage bag. And I seen people's uh, garbage bag my clothes, right? And I seen a lot of people that parents had it, right? And the parents just gave it to them. And I'm just watching them just spending their parents' money. And I said, you know, it, it is what it is, right? They they grew up from that, but I always said I didn't want my kids and Keisha said the same thing. We don't want our kids to leave and just feel like they have a court lunch way to live because when they leave, they get to leave. They don't they don't get to come back, right? So we want to train them to actually leave the nest and not be crippled, right? Yeah. So so going back to this this foundation, because much of what you're sharing displays that you're both on the same page, right? Yep. Um, and that your decisions are equal decisions, right? It's not like one overpowers the other. Um, but in our society, when it comes to marriage, that's often the difficulty. It's that, you know, two people come together and sometimes it looks and feels more like an acquisition, right? right. That the, the person that makes the most money, right? The first, and sometimes, um, you know, depending on social norms, um, family values, cultural differences, often the man becomes the, the, the power in the family, right? The person that makes all the decisions, pays all the bills, and expect the woman to live a certain way and do certain things. Um, so, so how do how do you go about teaching the next generation what marriage should look like um, while also maintaining the, this unity that you have? Because like any marriage, I mean, 20 years strong, you 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 eventually start to evolve, right? You, you, you start seeing things differently. You, you start, your, your needs changes, your, your career changes. So how do you make sure you're still both on the same page as you evolve in life together? So one thing that we always did as our foundation is there's no winners or losers in argument, right? You say, hey, I won the argument, you know, or I won the principle. 
And and sometimes when we're at a stalemate, it may take some time for us to go 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 be you know go apart and then come back, right? And then that time, as you're thinking cognitively, you're giving that person the benefit of doubt, and and you may have to change your perspective and diversity of thought. Like if if I just say, well, Keisha, let's do it my way or the highway. I wouldn't have learned some things that that I've learned from her, right? She's great administratively. I, I was a procrastinator when I first got with her, but now she whipped me into shape. You know what I'm saying? You know, for her, you know, for me, I'm more of a visionary, right? And I can see things long term, but she can't. But now, you know, uh, she's able to see things long term and think about the long term abilities. So what you do is, is as as kids, when you grow and you get in this marriage game. You know, it's 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 really about coming together and doing that merger. You know, in the in businesses, you know, when when businesses merge, they come because they have like interests and similar abilities, and and they come together and they take the best from each business unit and they consolidate, right? So I've been through several mergers in my company. I've been through acquisitions, and acquisitions were hostile, right? You know, where we were going to take well, we don't want none of you. We just bought you, right? And we don't have to play nice with you, but in a, in a merger, right, it's a merger of two equals. When you see those vows, you're, you're, you're speaking in front of a whole bunch of people as witness that you're willing to work through that thing. And I know that, you know, history has shown and proven that men were like 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 uh, the head and the providers and the ones that speak. Now, there may be times where I may speak, but it's together, right? It's, it's her, I may be speaking, more of what she wanted than what I wanted, but that united front is something that we've always we always had, right? And and we continue to make sure we work through those things. And as it's just like a fault diagnosis tree, we just burn down the faults, and then we get to the diagnosis, and then we put a plan in place. You know, it didn't mean to be a nerd, there, but go ahead. <laughs> no, and I think a big part too is communication. Yes. It's not always perfect at all. And so you were talking, you know, you ask, well, you know, you change and you evolve. And so how do you work through that? It's communication. And I think for us, it's because we, I consider us and we both consider ourselves best friends. I know a lot of couples say, well, you can't be best friends with your spouse. And I don't know why not, because he knows the most about me. I spend the most time with him, why not? And so it's just taking the time because I respect him as a person because I, I love him um, and I want to be with them I'm willing to take that time out again I will keep saying it's not always perfect because since we're both type A you know sometimes it's hard to listen and you know you once like this and now you don't like it no more and now what's going on and so it's kind of taking time to communicate to listen and to make sure that we're actually growing together to understand where we're going um, and just having that underlying underlying respect to know you know I, I truly want to be with you until I'm not here no more, basically. Right. And so it's going to take work. It's not always pretty. You know, I, I see a lot of younger couples where, you know, they're ready to call it quits because they was like, well, nobody said it was going to be this hard. I'm like, well, it, anything that's worth having, of course, is worth working for. Right. And so marriage is, uh, anyone that's been married, no, marriage is a lot of work. And so you get out of it. <laughs> you get out of it what you put into it and and for me you know we were talking about the whole head of the household thing I've never felt in all of our 20 years of marriage that I was lorded over um for me because Wayne has you know when we first got together I was 15 he was 16 years old and then once we got married he had went to the military I didn't have a job at the time I had probably worked at Wendy's once for about a month 
is, is aside from summer jobs, is the most I had worked. And so, you know, when, when we got married, his first duty station was Okinawa, Japan. So we went over there and he was very open with the finances. He put me on the accounts. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't given a little small bucket of allowance to spend. I had, it was open kimono. Free reign. Free reign. You know, he's <laughs> like, well, what's yours is mine. And I would call him because he went to Okinawa a few months before me saying, hey, I need to get this. Is it okay? And he's like, Keisha, you don't have to keep calling me to ask. And so I think it's because we had that respect for one another and yeah. he saw me as an equal, even though I wasn't bringing finances to the table, you know, that, that helped us. And so throughout our marriage, our, our marital journey, you know, we've had some situations where I may have earned more than him and then he earns more than me, but it works because it all goes into the same pot. We don't, we don't have our finances separated. And so it's, it's trend, um, Transparent. Transparent. That's what I'm looking for. Everything's transparent. We share it all. It goes in one bucket. So if you get an increase, I'm happy because I'm getting increased too because it's all of ours. Uh, another thing is, I come from my mom is a she was a night shift nurse, night shift differential, and she did it on her own and raised eight kids, right? And I always said when I got married, I didn't want to have it all on my shoulders, right? And some of the things that my mom did, you know, even though she was married, it was like she was a single mom. And, you know, uh, you know, famous plug to Jacqueline Smith, uh, she, she raised me to be a strong man and to understand and appreciate a strong woman, right? And, and that's the thing right now. Uh, and I think one of the things in communication is listening intently, right? And I've been on a journey for the last years or so just to listen intently because I, in my meditation time, I realized that I was listening to respond. I wasn't listening to to hear, to to digest, right? So then sometimes that's why, you know, there's a scripture that says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And what he what God was telling me at that point in that journey was, okay, when you're smart, but you're 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 very you have great rebuttals, but you need to listen intently. And then as you start listening intently throughout the years, you start to see like things shift you know most people say that the universe gave it to them but when you work together with a partner you can move mountains literally and then you start to see things that you didn't see right there may be five hundred dollars on a budget we've been there before that we were missing because we were just talking past each other but then once we started listening we were like hold up man if we do these 10 things right here that, that we say we were going to do, um, we are free up $500 and, 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 and it'll help us with something, right? So that's kind of what it is. And on that journey is listening intently. And I know a lot of guys, they think that when they listen to their wives, sometimes, you know, it sounds like nagging, you know what I mean? But they just want, they want the right thing, but it sounds like nagging, right? You know what I'm saying? But but it, it is, is and it wants, when a woman nags, it's because you're not listening. Right, but if you do listen, the nagging will stop. That's free game right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, Keisha, I think he was testing you. That's why he opened up his account like that. <laughs> if, you had, if you had called him as, as, and said, "I got this new Gucci bag," it would probably be a different conversation. We, I think so. That happened before. But I think I think to I think he was probably comfortable doing that because he knew where I came from and how I was raised. So you know he talked a little about his mom, you know, raising them. And so my mom was a single mom for a while. I had two. Um, well, actually, I have two older sisters, but then I also have an additional three siblings. And so my mom was a single mom for a while until my um, my bonus dad 
came into play. And so it was it was great because I then had a model I can look at for a marriage. Um, and so my, my dad, he was he was awesome. He was a provider. Um, I can say I've always had everything I needed, although I may not have had everything I've wanted. And so with him there, he showed me, you know, he took me on dates. We went out to eat all the time and, you know, different things, just he and I. And so that showed me what I should expect from a man. Yeah, he's balder. Yeah, he was balder. You call it spalling, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but that showed me what I should expect from a man. And so there were certain things I just knew that I needed, and I saw those things in him. And so I think because we, um, and we took time to know each other. So we were together five years before we got married, but we got together as kids. And so, you know, I, I think at that, it was very genuine. And so we got to know each other and kind of, you know, we, we went adults and met for about three months and decided to kind of just jump into it without knowing one another. And nothing is wrong with that. Nothing is wrong with that. Right. Nothing is wrong <laughs> um, with that. But it's just a matter of taking time to truly know a person, to know who you're connecting with, who your partner is going to be, um, is really important. Right. It's just for us. We and another thing that is big is what worked for us worked for us. Right. right? Now we can tell you what worked for us. It may not work for you, right? Uh, it may not work for another couple, but the principle that 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 it is working for us may work for us. Well. You know, some guys may not be able to be, you know, on the finances. They may need their wives to do the finances, right? Um, that was one of the things that happened. I used to do the finances early on in our marriage, early, early, early on, right? And there was a lesson that happened, right, where I was like, okay, well, you're going to be able to finance this for now, right? And and it's worked well, and now she understands, and, you know, we, we work together, and we have a business meeting over uh, Skype. <laughs> uh, most of the weekend, just tell us what our financial projection is, and then she'll see my computer, and she'll say, "Okay, well, Wayne, you, you you're looking at that because I'm tracking where our actual, you know what I mean?" So, so once you're on the same page, whether it's financial, whether it's intimate, whether it's over the kids, listening intently and understanding where you're going from is going to help you be able to achieve the big things, those colossal things, right, um, in life. Yeah. You know. The, the I want to go back on this topic of of, of money, right? Um, you know, because statistically, most marriages end because of money, right? They fight over money. Um, there's issues of one person hiding money, all these type of things. So, with 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 your with your marriage, it sounded like you you both talked about money right away, right? Um, there was a lot of transparency. You know, like you said, Wayne was like, this is what it looks like. This is this is our money, right? So how do you prepare this next generation to understand that? Because money is so personal, right? It's very personal. Um, some people go into marriage and don't talk about money at all, right? You don't even know. I mean, I, I know people that have been married for years and don't even know each other's debt ratio. Like how, how, how much money does your husband owe for student loans? I have no idea. You know, how much How much does your wife owe on credit cards? I have no idea, right? And they actually keep their finances, fi financials separately. They have separate accounts, separate everything. Um, and they only talk about finances when they're in trouble, right? Yes. So how do you, how do you, how do you get people to think differently and understand the importance of talking about money and 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 switching those behaviors of of like like you said this is 
a merger of equals, not an acquisition where, where big bank take little bank, right? <laughs> so one of the things that we try to do is we believe that leveraging two incomes breeds uh, accountability and responsibility. So it's a merger, right? So you're bringing to the table and, and, and she's bringing to the table. It's not about, okay, who take, who has, like you say, big bank take little bank or who has the most and is in, char and, and, and in charge. But we believe that when you bring those two things together, your financial outlook brings that accountability, right? I'm a sneakerhead. I've been a sneakerhead all my life. I got probably the same amount of, well, no, she got more than me, right? <laughs> But I have a lot of shoes. I have a lot of sneakers. I, I'm into dress. I'm into fashion and all this other stuff, right? But I can't just go out and buy ten pair of sneakers, right, this month because then Keisha, that's that accountability piece. She'd be like, okay, if it's not in your allowance account, you can't purchase it, right? Well, not you can't, but we have a plan, right? So we had to do some upgrades in the house this year. So there are some things that we just had to sacrifice and put off. We can take trips of course for COVID. But now seeing that financial outlook and every time we've purchased a home or did something business wise, there's there's a there's an income thing on the application that shows, okay, what does Keisha bring to the table and what do I bring to the table? So there shouldn't be any surprises. Um, and there's been times where We've had people that we've counseled that try to go buy houses and they didn't know their debt picture, right? So it was like, okay, well, they didn't get approved. I'm like, well, y'all should have been having that conversation up front. And having that conversation, I believe, and it started off when we were kids, uh, when we paid off our student loans um, and paid for Keisha's college. And we looked at all the credit card bills, all our debts. And I think we were able to knock out our debt in two and a half years, right? And we merged our finances, so we realized that 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 was a layup. I didn't have any finances. Well, you didn't, but you. I'm talking about when we started, when you got the job, okay. right? And once we understood that, we started paying off bills, and then you know, there's one bill, and then as we got raises and returns, right? We just put all our money together, and then realized that okay, if we work together, I don't have to be out here sweating, right? If something happens, I know that we have a nest egg together, or we may have to stop, you know, with our individual allowances for, you know, that's the only thing that's really separate, you know, um, that, that we spend discretionary. But then it leaves that accountability, you know, like I know some guys that may have porn horror description, I mean, subscriptions. That's not going to happen because Keisha see the finances, right? She'd be like, hey, what's that? Nah, man, you can't have that, you know? So those are the type of things that you need to do. and. And I feel like this, if you're if you're intimate enough to exchange fluids with somebody, meaning, you know, be intimate, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is what it is, that's real intimate. It should be it should be easy enough for you to share your finances. Now the level of intimacy that you get financially happens as the relationship grows, but we don't believe in mad money. We don't believe in like stick, sticking something off to the side. Right, um, we believe in building that together. So I find, like, even she knows what my 401k has, right? Um, she knows, I know what hers is, and we manage our wealth together in one picture. Right, yeah, I think, um, I'm sorry, the fluid's one got me. <laughs> but I, I think it's making sure, like you, it, like you said, if you're willing to do all of these other intimate things, 
why, why wouldn't you want to share your finances? And if that's the case, then maybe there are some underlining things that you guys need to look at as a couple to figure out, you know, are there some trust issues or, you know, maybe it's a thing of leveraging each other's strengths. So maybe one person is not as strong when it comes to managing a finance. So if that's the case, maybe the other person should take that on um, to make sure you guys stay aligned. And so, you know, Wayne's right. Like he said, we we have we have a view into everything. And so although we have allowance accounts, and so what we do with that is each payday, a certain amount of money automatically goes to our allowance accounts. But if I log into my allowance account, I can still see his. And so there's still transparency there. And it's not a fact that, oh, I don't trust you, you don't trust me, but it's it's just what works for us. And so we accountability. it's accountability. And so we've we've always managed it that way. And you know, as far as you know, you mentioned about hiding stuff and just stuff coming to the door and so i don't care come to the door and he doesn't care either because we know we have our set budget for the house we have our allowance account whatever you get out your allowance account it's whatever you get okay um yeah shoes stay coming here for her that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> now now obviously there's there's a lot of benefits to having a two household income right with you being married for 20 years, you have two kids. Um, you quickly mentioned you have a 401k. You talked about the Roth IOE that you opened up for your son. Um, what type of things are you doing together to make sure, one, that you are building generational wealth, not just for yourself, but possibly your kids, right? How are you preparing for retirement? Like, like what, what type of investments what type of, uh, of, of real estate opportunities, what type of, uh, of you know, a bond stock, what, what are you doing together to make sure that you are financially equipped, um, you know, for, for the next five, 10 years strategy that you have? So there's several things that we're doing. We are into real estate. Uh, we have our first rental. We have a plan to get to a certain number. So right now our first rental and our stretch goal is 100. You know, so we want to have 100 units. Um, we're actually about to start a transportation company to help, one, combat recidivism and also help us uh, generate funds and revenue uh, with, with the transportation company. Um, also, we're building a, um, a, a venture capitalist arm of our enterprise, Richard Enterprises. So we're, we're going to do what we call, uh, we're going to invest in businesses, help them with their processes, and then get a return off our investment. So uh, we're doing those things to leave a legacy because right now, yeah, I, I have a great job and a wonderful salary for the company that pays me as well as Keisha. But at the end of the day, we can't leave that to our kids. So under our for-profit Richgen Enterprises, we want to actually go into those urban and ethnic businesses and be able to uh, invest in them. And then also not just invest in them, but just have a vested interest in them as well. So as we invest in you, it, you know, it'll be a certain percentage. And then, you know, you pretty much, and we realize that most ethnic businesses and case studies that some of them that you've given me, even in our doctoral degree, is ethnic businesses don't have that forward thinking because they're in a now, right? So we want to take and help ethnic business understand how do you take this product, put the customer service on it, have the right market segmentation and involve as your product uh, is sold. And as we do that, have that forward thinking um, from that approach and, and allow them to grow. And as they grow, we grow, right? So we have a vested interest and we're betting on black income right now. 
Why are you looking at me? I was just saying, I thought you'd be like, did you tell me to say something? No, I mean, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you both come from an aerospace, or you currently work in an aerospace, uh, aerospace industry, so you have an aerospace background. Um, How do you choose, what is your decision process like to choose something like real estate, to choose something like consulting, to choose something like angel investment that seems kind of like out of your specialization because often people will stay in their lane, right? You hear people say that over and go, you know, over and over again, especially in in, in black community and, 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 and brown community, minority community in general, it's like, you went to school for this, stay in this lane, right? You, your parents often stay there. You, you, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, that's what you do, right? So how do, where, how do you make this decision? What do you do together to say, this is a good path for both of us? So, so it's it's what we're passionate about, I would say. And so, yeah, so I work, we, we work in um, aerospace defense, but you know, just just a little history on that. So when, we, when he and I first got together, um, well, not when we first got together, but when I went to college, I was majoring in architecture. And so I wanted to be an architect. And so I was in my junior year of architecture, um, doing exceptionally well and <laughs> you know Wayne decides to sign up for the Air Force recruiter says yep she can finish her degree here get to Okinawa Japan guess what architecture is not offered as a major and so then I switched to business and so that led me to now where I am in my career um, real estate because I, I love looking I love that aspect of it. I may not be able to design houses now because I didn't get an architecture degree and I'm not a licensed architect, but I can still look at it from a, a different aspect. Um, you know, probably Wayne can talk about the venture capitalists more, but we have a passion for finances and we have a passion for helping people. And so that's where that comes into play. And so, you know, I, I enjoy what I do at work because it gives me, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm not an engineer, but I'm on the engineering side. And so it, it kind of feeds a little bit my desire for architecture in that aspect. Um, but that's not necessarily what my, you know, what I want to go out and do on my own. So for me, I'm more of a process engineer. So I look at a problem and then I create and I can see root cause and corrective action. So basically, any process that my company would give me and, and it started off when I was in like actually working at Popeye's okay there's a problem and then I would figure out a way to do it and then as I went to the Air Force it was always a, a, a problem so I started problem solving and creating solutions for things so then what I was able to do is take that abstract or look at something that's not working well figure out assess it look at it and then say okay man if you do these 10 things your process flow or you will uh, achieve uh, you will grow by 300 percent right and then as i stigma all type of quality things you know uh study the toyota model taguchi and all those other people and of course in my course of study in my my doctoral my terminal uh education i've learned about that and how to increase one employee engagement how to you know customer service is like really a core of your dna and then understanding a product but the product and i realized that the person that's closest to the product makes the less amount of money so you gotta because you can't really see you know past that product but if you take a step up right and look up you'll see that not you just not just have this one product you have multiple products and as i've uh, matriculated throughout uh, college and i've uh, progressed financially and in, um, in, in my company 
they would put me on these different products that had nothing to do with each other. But in every last one of them, I was successful. So, so you know, what I would do is, and Keisha, I'll tell you, when I was in grad school, I used to always write these militant papers to these, uh, to these case studies, right? And, you know, they were, we would always study ethnic businesses and what they failed. And what I would do is root cause and corrective action. If you did these three things for a black person, like for instance, you may see 20 hair salons in um, Syracuse, right? Um, and they're all standalone. But if they took their money and pooled their resources together, they'll be able to, you know, add, have more money, right? And I've noticed that even in aerospace, when there's multiple processes that are doing the same thing, if we continue to merge those things and make them repeatable, then your your, your output and your throughput, the throughput will be less, but your output will be uh, uh, dynamic, right? So that's some of the things that we did, you know, and that's what I'm doing now, even in a real estate piece, you know, most people want to go flip houses. Well, you know, slows the road to success in old money stage, right? Quick money fades. So we want to make sure that we, we, we have that, have, those goals, uh, understand what the problems are, and have the right people. So right now, with Richard Enterprises on our venture capitalist piece, I may go, I may know something about it just to be dangerous, but then I'm gonna go consult that person that I know about and then bring them in on the team, do business as, come in and write me up a, a proposal, and then I hand that to the people that that's actually executing. But then now we implement and, and, and enforce it. Yep. Yes. So. Basically, what you what you created is is a portfolio of of um, not just investment um, but streams of income, right? Multiple yep. streams of income, and I think that's the some that's something that the audience need to hear and understand because often when we think about diversity, right? When we think about diversify, when diversify your 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 income, they're thinking of it. Oh, my 401k, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna have some stocks. I'm gonna have some bonds, I'm gonna have some mutual funds. That's how they think of diversifying their income. And it sounds like what you're saying is that we need multiple streams, right? But that's a way of looking at it that, yes, I have a 401k. Yes, I have an IRA, but I need these other streams that go beyond my, you know, my salary, right? Um, so, so, so you have one, you know, one uh, state of mind where people get real comfortable that, you know, I got, like you said, you both have a good salary income, right? And that state of mind kicks in, that comfortability kicks in and say, I make a good salary. I have a good 401k, right? I'm gonna stay in this lane. And, and, and the reason why I'm staying in this lane, because I wanna retire. You know, I wanna retire at a certain age. I, I only wanna work a 40 hour week, right? So how do you explain to that person the benefits of what you're doing um, while also what you're doing is creating generational wealth like you said that that salary that that person's getting when they retire that's not going to you know to to be that's not going to provide anything to their children going forward if they passed away or whatever so how do you explain the benefits to someone that is thinking that comfortability aspect of having a, a good paying salary job it was one of my friends, he was an executive, uh, as I, well not executive, he was a mentor of mine. And he gave me this quote and he says, at the end of two weeks, the company doesn't owe you anything, right? So after you do your four, your 80 hours and they pay you, hey, 
the work deposit, they don't have to come back and give you that again. You know, we know it's harder for them to, to get rid of you, but that, that, that made me think in my mind to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm having a salary and I can be living high off the hall, you know, for 10 years and then the company has a cut, right? And then now I'm stuck, you know? So the multiple streams of income that we have in addition to the real estate, you know, um, you know, the transportation, you know, teaching, you know, some other things I'm doing, you know, so we got our hands in a pot. So now the goal is that whatever my salary is, I want to be able to make that outside of my salary. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and as we do that, you're not living off that, you're putting that up and you're understanding that, okay, well, I don't have to work to 65, even though I may work a nine to five, I may work to 55 and go do philanthropy because now uh, for the last 10 years, I've pretty much doubled my salary. I've put domestic weight. So that's some of the mindset we have to change. And the second piece is I cannot leave my current position to my child, right? I can't leave my current job. Keisha can't leave her current job to her job, to, to our children. So I want to be able to leave a legacy, an organization, property, uh, wealth, whatever, to the kids. So they'll be able to say, okay, well, when it's their time, they can use that to leverage for anything, right? Um, they can't leverage the company we work for. They can't leverage my 401k. Now they may get it inherited, you know, if something was to happen to us, but you know, that's, you know, God forbid, but we want to instantiate that companies don't owe you anything after two weeks. And if you understand that, right? And you're, and then also, the person that's closest to the product makes the less amount of money. That's why executives make these huge, ridiculous salaries. You may make a six-figure salary, but if they're paying you six figures, they're making millions. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we need to teach our children and our and our people in our community to not be a worker, but to be a board, be on a board of directors, right? And if you notice, if you look at a board, some of the board of directors have no um, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, with uh, experience in that industry, but they understand stocks and bonds, right? So you have to understand, diversify yourself, understand that no one owes you anything, and you have to go get it. I mean, literally go get it, and you have to go get it outside of the 995. Yeah, and I'll say for me, you know, we talked a little bit back about people growing and, and how do you grow together. And so, you know, Wayne has been talking about, you know, business probably our entire marriage. And so we got to a point, um, you know, in our careers that we were making a certain amount of money and I'm like, well, we're good, we could chill. And so Wayne's like, well, no, <laughs> you know, that's not it. And so I had to take time to listen, to catch the vision and then get on board with where we were trying to go because you know it's right we can't i can't leave my position to my kids and you know we we look at all the different things that are going on in the world and you know it, it's hard for for certain groups to get you know jobs in different areas and careers and things like that and so if that means us working a little bit harder to secure a future a better future for our kids and for other people's kids as well then why not do it i mean you know at, at first i was kind of timid like well i don't know if we should really do it but then you know i kind of took a step back and said you know well if we if we we don't want to grow old and never have tried and my grandfather he wanted to be a business guy and and he he didn't have that right so he he died with a lot of ideas and i didn't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, and I think for me, it helped too because we started Rise, Build, Achieve, the nonprofit. And so then I was able to kind of get my hands wet and, and get my feet wet in that and kind of see the inner workings of it and be like, well, it, it's not as bad as I thought it was, you know, and get a better feel for it. Um, they gave me more confidence in moving forward. So I think that was helpful to me um, with us moving forward. We are down to our last few minutes. Um, if someone wants to to learn more about your organization and the things that you both are doing, how can they reach you? <laughs> they can go to www.myrba.org or they can um, friend us on, follow us on Facebook at Rise Bill Achieve or on Instagram at Rise Bill Achieve. Okay, right. we'll make sure that that information is also shared when we post this recording. Uh, for everyone that is listening to this as a recording, or if you are on Facebook Live and you have questions later on, please feel free to send it to us. We'll make sure that we forward to our guests. Um, thank you very much uh, for, for sharing your wisdom. Uh, once again, congratulations on all of your endeavors um, on your 20-year anniversary. So much success to that. Um, I look forward to seeing all the amazing pictures for your anniversary <laughs> happens. Um, but thank you much for your time, uh, for all the work you do in the community, and we wish you much success. Thank you. Thank right, you. Thank you. All right, good night, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you again in our next webinar.